Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you may find yourself as you listen to this and you tuned into a show that is solo dolo. You tuned into another episode of It's a Black and White Thing with your boy A1, a.k.a. Carlos. You can also call me Dan. Please remember, as always, you can go to soundcloud.com backslash brains and bars to check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing. You can also find us on iTunes Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Google Play Music, Radio Public, uh, Pocket Casts, and Anchor. Now, if you can, if you can get the Anchor app, um, by the way, you can do all those things by searching hashtag Brains and Bars, by the way. Um, Spotify, I don't know if I got Spotify in there. I don't know if I got Spotify in there. Um, But, you know, you can go all those places and do that. You can also go to Anchor. If you go to the Anchor app, search for it. Search for hashtag brains and bars. Um, find the, the podcast there. Favorite the podcast. You can listen to every episode there as well. But you can also leave a voice message for the show. If you like what you hear, you want to give some feedback, you have a hot take, you have some criticism of something I said, you want to slander Tennessee sports to get at my boy A-Ward, you can do all of those things there. And then we'll incorporate that into the show. Um, and you can interact with us in that way. You can also go to uh, Facebook and Twitter, search hashtag or search at Brains and Bars. You can like the page, even though Facebook, we're not heavily active. I'm a little active on Twitter. I'm more on my main page on Twitter, but you can still go there, follow the show. As I said, I'm on my solo dolo. My homie who's normally with me when I do this podcast, A-Ward, is around. He's around. Um, but you can go check him out by searching imaward.com. You can check all uh, you can check all of his content there, battles, uh, music, merch, all that stuff is at imaward.com. He just got back from London, had a fire battle with Sharon. Next time we have the podcast, he will be here with me and we'll talk about that battle. Plus, he's got a lot. I mean, it listen, man, keeping up with battle rap is like kind of keeping up with as the world turns. It's like watching a soap opera and uh gritty. Appreciate you stopping stopping by. I holler at you. Uh, keeping up with him is like keeping up with a soap opera and battle rapper. So there's a lot going on right now. So we hopefully next time we sit down together, we'll have a little bit more on that as well. So got a jam-packed show for you. Uh, you know, we're going to get into a couple of things. And I'm kind of going to start from oldest to newest, right? Because like I said, it's been a few weeks and I've had some thoughts on, on some of these older topics that I wanted to get into. But also, uh, you know, get into some of the news of today from the NFL. So for those who are listening on Anchor um, or on one of the many, uh, you know, mediums that you can listen to this show, you might hear me interacting with no one in particular is because I'm on Facebook Live right now as I speak. So I will be bouncing back and forth. If I get any uh, feedback or interaction as I go through this, I will be responding to that as well. But with that said, let's jump into the first topic, NFL. Colin Kaepernick got paid something, right? He settles his collusion lawsuit with the NFL over his uh, over not being able to work in the league. And we don't know what that amount is, right? I mean, that we've heard anywhere from $60 million to $80 million. I've heard as little as $20 million. I've heard as little as $2 million. I've heard numbers all over the board. Um, and I have, a few, I have a few thoughts, you know. And so my first thought is, what more do we want from Kaepernick? Because when this settlement came out, you saw 
a kind of the what you see of Cap all the time. There are two polar ex- extreme opposites of responses to Colin Kaepernick. The first response was, well, he's a sellout, right? He's he sold out. I knew this was all about money the entire time. I knew that's all he ever wanted. He didn't he didn't want to play in the league anymore. He just wanted a fat cushy check from the NFL. He wasn't really to really see this thing through and to fight. And I'm listening to all that feedback and I'm going, wait, what? 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 Do you guys not understand that he was fighting for his rights? He was fighting to get paid for lost wages, right? Like they kicked him out of the league and they would not allow him back into the league. So, yeah, this was a lawsuit about money. And if he would have taken it and saw it through to its end and he would have, and let's just say he wins the case, then yes, they would have had to cut him a check. Um, I think. Most people try to spin this as a win for the NFL, and it's more lost than win for the league, right? They don't have to go into court and have a bunch of their mess thrown out into the streets for us all to see, and that would have embarrassed them. So I guess it's a win from that nature. But the fact that they had to pay him, it puts an end to all of that. Well, he just wasn't good enough to play in this league, right? There is 32 teams. There is at least between 64 to 70 QB jobs that are open every year. Colin Kaepernick was somewhere between, you know, I'd say 20 to the 40th best quarterback in the league the last time he he played. He should have had a job. He should not have been out of the league since 2016, right? So that's a loss for the league in that respect of that they would not employ someone that clearly could have been used on their squad, right? The Jaguars, the Jaguars should have used him. I'm going to get to that in just a second. Um, the Giants probably could have used him. Like I actually went through a checklist one time and, and uh, not too long ago and went through and found about at least there right now in this NFL offseason. There's about eight to ten teams that could use the services of Colin Kaepernick as a potential starter. Carolina, if Cam doesn't play this year, they could use him as a starter like so again i'm not saying that the dude is a top 10 quarterback in this league i'm not saying dude is the number is is uh top five or anything like that but he's someone who should have been on someone's roster in some capacity whether that be as a starter whether that be as a backup right ej manuel still getting shots out here now ej manuel he got signed to the chiefs ej manuel was probably not going to make the roster but he's getting calls and first of all we can put this whole uh, system thing to rest. Nathan Peterman got a job out here. Nathan Peterman is the worst quarterback I've ever seen in my life. So the next time someone says, oh, well, he played in a, in a pro-style system, I don't care. Are you good? Um, and speaking of that, just looking at this draft, I mean, it's a bunch of quarterbacks, and I feel like people are – you know how you at the – you. you now, granted, I'm, I was never really a club guy, so I'm, I'm kind of uh, cherry-picking experiences, right? But you know how if when you go out, you have a little bit too much to drink and all of a sudden the girl who was a four starts looking like a six, six and a half. And maybe if you take one more shot, maybe she's a seven. Like, I feel like that's what we're doing with these quarterbacks right now. We got Kyler Murray out here who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, We got, you know, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke. And I feel like because we – People are so desperate for a franchise quarterback. They're looking at Daniel Jones from Duke. Um, They're looking at Ryan Finley from North Carolina State, and they're going, you know what? He played in a pro-style offense. He's tall, has a big arm. I think we can make that work. Now, maybe they will, but I'm just saying. 
Don't be out here trying to take these fours and bump them up into sevens so you can get you a quarterback out here. Uh, but to get back to Kaepernick, my uncle asked my uncle asked a question. How many of us will risk our jobs for our beliefs? Um, and that's I guess that's the other side of that spectrum. Right. We had people who were upset that he got paid and people who were upset because he didn't get a chance to take the league to task. Um, and I, there's a fact there's a, a really good column from Bumont, from Bomani Jones talking about this, where he gets into the fact of what more do you want from him? Right. Like he gave up his career. And when when he first protested, once we got to the offseason, I remember doing an episode. It was me. It was me, uh, Ward and Ricky, the homie Ricky. And we both went on the record. Do we think that he will get a job? And I, they were they were optimistic. I said unequivocally, he was not going to get back into the league. The NFL doesn't like different. They like robots. They like guys who they like little assembly line packages who are always humble, who are always gracious, who are always deferential to the team and to the team concept. Never. You don't want to see a bunch of guys who are puffed up. And Colin Kaepernick does not fit when he started to protest. That mold was broken. He was out. He was no longer fitting of that mold. And with what he was doing, he was done. He was never coming back to the league. Um, and he gave up his career. Now, I don't know about y'all. I don't know about y'all, but I know I'm not willing to do something to jeopardize my career. I'm not willing to do something to put myself in a position to where it would hurt my ability to have a job, an income, a career and support my family. And he did that. And so what more can we ask of him? Really nothing. What more you want the dude to do? He gave up his ability to have a job. Now, people say, well, if he really loves the game, go play in the in the CFL, go play in the AF, go play, go play for the XFL. And I'm like, let me let, let, let me put it to you this way. I if you have ever had something really nice, right? If you've ever, let's just say all your life, all you've ever known. I'm, all you've ever known is riding in like a Ford Focus, right? That's all you've ever known. You, you, you've driven in the Ford Focus all your life. And then one day you get the opportunity to drive in a BMW, leather seats, moonroof, navigational system, right? Heated seats, backup camera, got the little satellite over top of you that shows you where you parking, all that stuff. Let's just say you had all of that. And then all of a sudden, someone takes that away from you and says, well, go back to the four. Do you really want to go back to the four focus? Because I'm going to tell you, that's what the CFL is. CFL is that four focus. CFL is that four focus. The AAF is that four focus. The XFL is the hoopty. You'd, I, I know I would not want to go back to playing subpar in a subpar league with subpar players, with subpar facilities, with – with I almost said subpar fans, but that's not fair. That's not cool. You know, I wouldn't want to go back. So I don't blame him for playing, even though I think I said in my last episode, hey, go go ball with the scrubs. Go go be like going to the rucker. But I understand why he would not go back. Right. But as I thought about Colin's career and what's happened to him and all the changes, I think there's one big thing we can take from Colin Kaepernick. It's that you need to do your job 
in terms of what he's done from a social standpoint, not not his football playing career, but what he's done since he's left the league and left kind of the limelight, as it were. You need to do your job. You need to get out and work and not be loud, not be seen. If you if you know anything about Colin Kaepernick since he's left the league is that we don't know anything about Colin Kaepernick since he's left the league. He stayed pretty quiet. He doesn't do a bunch of talking. He's ne- he has he has not been interviewed by anyone. Any access that we've gotten to Kaepernick has been through the Know Your Rights campaign or through interviews with people who are associated around him. Right. He just works because in this social media landscape we're in right now, in this in this uh, 24-7 type news cycle where everything is always done to be seen, a lot of um, people who work in those sectors, it seems like they're they're just there when something happens, when there's something loud going on, when there's something that we need to yell about, we need to shout about. But for the most part, if you follow, if you follow Colin on social media, he doesn't tweet a lot. He doesn't post a lot. He does his business. And if we want to make change in this society, sometimes yelling at that, I shouldn't say sometimes, yelling at that brick wall doesn't get anything accomplished. Taking a sledgehammer and getting to work is what knocks that wall down. So, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying that that protesting does not have its place. I'm not saying that people should not protest. Those things are necessary. But on the day to day, we need to go about doing our job. We need to go about doing our thing and not worrying about what's going on or not worry about being seen and being and making sure that we've got a camera on us so that someone is documenting this for social media or that it's going to be tweeted out or IG or Snapchat. Just do your job. Keep your head down. Grind. Uh, my aunt asked about R. Kelly. I'm going to get the R. Kelly. I'm going to get the aura. I'm going to get the aura in a minute. Um, but yeah, man, y'all let us let me know what you think about Cap, man. Do you think he should have pushed to take this case all the way through? I don't think so. Y'all let me know what you think. Uh, hit me up on Facebook at Brains and Bars to go to the It's a Black and White Thing page or go to Twitter at Brains and Bars. That's all letters, Brains and Bars. Let me know what you think about that topic. Um, so next topic, man, I want to hit is uh, A.B., A.B. to go, as me and the homies call him, because of his the stats he puts up on our fantasy football team. Um, A.B. to go. He did an interview this past weekend with Jeff Darlington on ESPN. Let it know how he how he felt about his time in Pittsburgh. Um, You know, you got the Kevin Connors quote about Big Ben and being around a bunch of kids. And Big Ben is the only adult Um, news (laughs) news of of uh, Antonio being traded uh, tomorrow by tomorrow has been reported allegedly or reportedly he's going to be traded by tomorrow. Um, The price tag that the Steelers were asking for was pretty high. They were asking for a first round pick. And I'll say this on behalf of Pittsburgh. I'm always pro player on these things. Right. But I'll say kudos to them for asking for. To me, it is is fair value in return for Antonio Brown. I get it. He doesn't want to be there anymore. So the leverage isn't quite there. But yet I feel like a lot of times when players are traded in the league, in the NFL, they don't get proper value for them. Um, I, You know, they don't they they trade players 
at a lesser value because they value the draft pick more than the actual commodity on the field. NFL teams love the unknown while they always seem to devalue the known. Um, my aunt said, A.B. heard his stock with his big mouth. I wouldn't touch him. I'll say this. I think if you're going to bring Antonio Brown in, you're going to need strong leadership. You're going to need someone. To me, the thing I took away from his interview, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this is his perspective, is he wanted to be treated. He wanted he was looking for family and he was not finding that in Pittsburgh. And if anyone has ever had a friend who it's never their fault, it is always an excuse. It's always it's always someone else who makes them the victim. I'm pretty sure that's what it's like playing with Big Ben. I'm pretty sure that's got to be what it's like when that guy is your leader. And when you have the GM propping him up to say, yeah, Ben can criticize people. And this is the problem with wins and rings culture. Right. As long as you win championships, it allows you to be wrong and strong all you want. No, absolutely not. Ben Roethlisberger is one of the the more, uh, in my opinion, ineffective leaders that I've seen. Right. When you get to go around and criticize people, you can, and you never look at yourself and say, yeah, I could have been better. I could have done this better. But when you always begin your your defense of yourself, or of your play with, well, they could have done this better. They could have done that better. And then you come maybe even if you come back around later to say, well, you know, I also could have done this. It's too late. You've already slandered your teammate. The person supposed to be seen as family. So if, if you bring in an Antonio Brown. To be a to be a part of your family, quote unquote. If you meet with his family, get to know his children, get to know him as a person, get to understand his 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 quirks. Right. I'm not saying he's going to be perfect because I don't want him on my team either. I'm to me. I can deal with some of the the on field stuff that people do, even like the stuff with him uh, going live on Facebook in the locker room. Eh, okay, who cares? But to me, when you start to have outbursts, even if they're justified, even if they're justifiable outbursts that that can tear apart a locker room, to me, that's a that goes beyond um, an on the field distraction. Because, like I said, in the last episode, no one cares when when Big Ben is going back to pass. He's not thinking to himself, man, A.B. threw that football at me. I ain't like that. Like he's not thinking like that. However. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't mind that, but see, I don't mind. So I got a comment, you know, it, he stated it's my way or the highway. Basically I'm a millionaire. That's fine. I don't mind that mindset. Like, so I, I'll give you another example. Carson Palmer basically had the same mindset when he quit on the Bengals. Carson Palmer was like, look, I'm, I'm paid. I got my money. I don't have to play no more. I don't need y'all. I'm going to go home. The, the Bengals wanted something of value for him. And they traded him to the Raiders. Like, I don't mind a player knowing their worth and knowing and leveraging that to say, look, I don't need football. Antonio Brown has since I think they said since 2011, he's number one in receptions, number one in yards, number one in touchdown. Like the dude has proven himself. He doesn't need football. And if you and if you validate yourself by rings, then you might go, okay, yeah, he needs to keep playing until he wins the Super Bowl. But if you value yourself by your accomplishments, Antonio Brown, to me, should be a Hall of Famer, even if he doesn't play another game of football for the rest of his career. So, yeah, know your worth and say, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm coming to play. I'm going to play on my terms. Now, 
I think some of that is tough talk. I don't I don't think he means that to the fullest extent. I think some of that is a little bit of tough talk. But I mean, look, if you're going to play, yeah, man, like, yeah, come in. I'm going to understand who you are as a man, what you're about as a man, but understand we also have rules and regulations. And you can't run roughshod up here just because you're Mr. Big Chess, which, okay. Mr. Big Chess with the mustache. Antonio, man, I'm trying, I'm trying to be on your side here, bro, but you got to help me out. You got to work with me on this. Um, but no, man, like, I think if you have strong leadership at the top, you make it about family, you get to know AB, you hold him accountable. Um, when he screws up the same way you hold your quarterback accountable, your star. I think that's really what he's looking for. He's just looking for accountability. If you're going to hold me accountable, fine, but also hold other people to the same standard you're holding me to. So again, I think if we, if, if AB can come in and just be who he is on the field, keep the disruption to the locker rooms and the argument and the going back and forth for people to a minimum, he could be a valuable addition to a team. So y'all let me know what y'all think, man. Hit me up at Brains and Bars on Facebook, at Brains and Bars on Twitter. Let me know, do you want Antonio Brown on your squad? I would tell him, look, man, I can't have you on my squad until you get rid of that, that mustache, though. Like, get that get that, that Hulk Hogan, kids, eat your vitamins and drink milk mustache out of here. That, that's got to go if you're going to be on my squad. And, you know, do something with the hair. You're looking like Chris Rock I'll see before, my guy. Listen, I'm trying to defend you. I'm trying to defend you, A.B., but that, but the, but the, nah, nah, nah. I'm anyway, one quick story that I saw that I want to hit before I get to Kyler Murray. Uh, I saw. So this is an interesting story. Tony Harris now is a young lady who's received a scholarship to an NAIA school to play football. Um, she's the first woman to receive this opportunity out as at a position that isn't kicker. Um, I know Katie Nida. She kicked that. I believe was Colorado. She's a kicker at Colorado. She plays safety. Um, and she's going to come to the great state of Missouri to play football at Central Methodist University. And I got a question for y'all. Anybody else uncomfortable with that? Anybody else just kind of like, I don't know about that. Like, because to me, I, I am sorry. I, I hope I hope nobody tries to hit me on some, you know, um, I'm not I'm being sexist and all of that, man. Football is a rough sport. And she's coming into a sport that. Again, I talked about how the NFL is not equipped to handle different. Football in general is not equipped to handle different. And so now you have someone of the opposite sex who's going to be one a bunch of, around a bunch of young men who are full of piss and vinegar and who are going to make lots of mistakes. Um, you, I mean, I just I put it to you this way. Coming up when I played uh, when you play ball, play pickup ball, um, I just use my high school experience because that's when I that's the the most I've ever played with women uh, on the court is during high school. And in pickup, when there were I went to Lincoln and Lincoln had some women who could hoop. Um, Kristen May, I think she had a scholarship to Kansas. She went to Kansas. Uh, man, I'm trying to think of her. When I was at Southeast, I think there's a young lady named Tamika, but I can't think of her last name. Like, I played ball with women, with women like pickup. Who could hoop? Like, you know, and the rules were, for some reason, if you blocked a woman's shot, it was a problem. But if she scored on you, you never heard the end of it. So it's kind of like this double standard of, okay, she's playing with us. I can't block her shot, but I can't let her score on me. So what am I to do? 
Take that and multiply it by infinity when you're playing with men who who believe that they probably can make it to the league, um, who have their own pride and ego on times 100,000 trillion, to quote Kanye. Dog, like this don't make nobody else uncomfortable. For, and I hadn't even brought in the physicality of the game yet. Like, duh. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh, man, like that, that is, that's a lot, man. That's a lot for me. Um, so I, I just wanted to bring it up because that was a story that I saw and I wish her success. I really do. Um, but I hope that she's got a strong support system because even at the NAIA level, um, the amount of scrutiny, the amount of jealousy, because I'm going to tell you, someone's going to, someone somewhere is, is saying she doesn't deserve that scholarship and it won't be me. I'm not in the position to say she doesn't deserve that. She put in the work, she put in the time, but man, like I, that makes me uncomfortable and we'll see how, and hopefully this is a story that I'm going to be following. Hopefully for her, this has a good ending. This turns out well for her and she's able to be She's able to contribute and whatever whatever that means for her, whatever goal she sets for the team. But man, my, I mean, football isn't isn't for women, in my opinion. Unc, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. But man, like I I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, but y'all, let me know what y'all think, man. Go check that story out. Like I said, her name is a uh, Tony Tony Harris. She's going to Central Methodist University on the football scholarship. Good luck to her. I do wish you all all the success in the world. She wants to play in the NFL, and uh, if she's got the game, I'm all for it. But man, that's this is this is not the sport. This sport is just ill-equipped right now to deal with with uh, with gender in that way. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. So real quick, I want to turn to the kind of the hot topic of today uh, before I close down this segment. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's in the news. He went to the combine. You know, the big thing was his height. He measured at 5'10 and 1'8, I believe. Um, 5'10 and 1'8. He did not throw, did not run. He's going to do all that, I believe, at his pro day at Oklahoma. But Charlie Cashley, who is a former GM, former GM with the Redskins, I believe with the Texans, um, got on NFL Network and an anonymous scout told him that uh, – that Kyler Murray was terrible interview, terrible on the board. Um, you know, it's just one of the worst interviews he's ever seen. You know, they, he talked about work ethic and he just basically uh, took a giant crap on all the hype that had been that had been accumulating around Kyler Moore. And I've seen a lot of I've seen people talk about this and I've seen analysts talk about this and they say, well, it's the lion season. This is. The season in the draft where a bunch of unwarranted and unfounded rumors get tossed around. Um, and and this is just how it goes. Um, I mean, so I got a comment. I still don't believe he's 5'10". So there was I heard another former scout uh, on the Dan Patrick show that he talks to who thought who, who touted a conspiracy theory. He thought the NFL rig the numbers and i'm just thinking why what does the nfl have to gain for rigging the numbers for Kyler? like who cares so i mean i guess 
I thought there was only one one height one height heightest conspiracy theorist out there, but apparently I have we have two in the building. Um, but they're saying it's the lion season. You know, this is the season where you know people will do things like this to try to drive value down. I, you know, as a matter of fact, before I get into that, I'm going to pick up here on the other side of this segment. I'm going to close this segment out because I'm running out of time here on, on this side of the break. I want to close this out once again. You guys, thank you for checking out the podcast. Remember, you can go to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, search hashtag Brains and Bars to find the podcast. Go to Anchor, download the app, create an account or log in, search for Brains and hashtag Brains and Bars, like the page, then leave a voice message for the show. We'll play that during the show and give feedback. Shout out to the homie A-Ward. I'm here solo dolo tonight, but go to IamAward.com. Check out all of his battles. Also, he's got a new battle. He just went to London, took on Sharon. His biggest battle to date, it was a fire, fire joint. People throwing around the word classic already. You can go to his page on Facebook um, or go to IamAward.com. You can check out. Uh, they should have a link to the battle that you can support him. And go check that out. It's a dope battle. On the other side of this break, I'm going to come back. I'm going to pick up with Kyler Murray. Then I'm going to pick up NBA, talk LeBron and the Lakers. Man, man. Talk Celtics as well. You listen to It's a Black and White Thing. It's your boy A1, a.k.a. Carlos, a.k.a. Dan. I'll be right back after this. I'm going to set this up. Facebook Live. I'm coming right back, man. All right, y'all. Amber back. It's your boy Carlos, a.k.a. A1, a.k.a. Dan, back here on It's a Black and White Thing. This is part two of episode, I think, 45, I think. I have to make sure I get that number right. Um, episode 45, I'm solo dolo tonight. Um, yeah, it's just me on my lonely. Um, you can follow the show by going to Facebook or Twitter, searching for at Brains and Bars. You can like the page on Facebook, follow, follow us on Twitter. Check out all episodes on soundcloud.com backslash Brains and Bars or go to Google Play. Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, um, search for hashtag Brands and Bars, and you can listen to every episode of It's a Black and White Thing. So I, on the other side of the break, I stopped talking. Uh, I stopped short talking about Kyler Murray and it being the lying season. Man, look, can we cut this out? Can we stop this? I mean, ser- seriously, can we stop this? Tell me. So Charlie Cashley has this report talking about Kyler Murray being terrible at everything. Help me understand how that report does anything for Kyler's draft stock, right? Cardinals have the number one pick. Cliff Kingsbury, spread system guy, Kyler Murray, spread system quarterback. Cliff Kingsbury, while at Texas Tech, was on record as saying that he he was a huge fan of Kyler Murray and that if he had a team that had the number one pick, he would take him number one overall. Well, what a coinky dink. He's got the number one overall pick with the Arizona Cardinals. If the Arizona Cardinals like Kyler Murray and they hear this report, you know what they're going to do? They're going to bring Kyler Murray in for a meeting. Right? Am I right? They're going to bring him in for a meeting if they like him. If the Cardinals want to take him number one, they don't care about this report. So basically, you have someone, some team that probably is in the top 10 or maybe right outside the top 10 that wants Kyler Murray that basically slandered his name so that they can so they could get him at somewhere around their draft pick or higher. Tell me how that makes sense. 
If the Cardinals really want him, if the Cardinals are truly interested and want to take him, how does slandering his name help him fall to you if you're not in a position to get him? If you want Kyler Murray instead of slandering him, you know what you do? You go to the Cardinals, you you, you get on the phone and say, we'll offer you our first round pick this year, our first round pick next year, and then our number two round uh, draft pick next year. If you really want Kyler Murray, instead of trying to – and this – so I know there was a lot of um, talk of potential – racism because it seems to happen to black quarterbacks more often than it does white quarterbacks. Listen, I don't know. I'm not going to be as as skeptical to say that is def- that is definitely racism. Being that is that is a racist attitude and ideology being thrown at Kyler Murray and other black quarterbacks. I'm definitely not going to be as naive to think that there isn't some type of prejudice or bigoted ideology that allows someone to say these things about black quarterbacks. You got to look, look at the last couple of years. This happened to Deshaun Kaiser. This happened to, um, oh man, this happened to the kid with the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. This happened to him last year. Now it's happening to Kyler Murray, right? So listen, I'm not saying that there, that there is some, some grand conspiracy to keep black quarterbacks down or to, devalue black quarterbacks, but these things happen a lot around them. I'll just put that out there. You do with that what you will. But again, if you want that young man, go get him. And I would just love for one time for a prospect who's getting his name slandered to sue, to sue, to sue a a company for putting this out. Because the things that are said about these guys, like, like with the Kyler Murray, when you talk about him, uh, not being a hard worker, like that's not a statement of fact. That's an opinion, right? Like that's slander. That no, in no other walk of life can you go around and unfound get on. Well, I shouldn't say I, that's not necessarily true. What I'm about to say, but at least in sports, this is the one time of the year where we allow people to come out and just say wildly. Uh. Uh, subjective things about someone else and we just don't even we just go oh well that's interesting like it, it becomes content for for show like i'm talking about it now i just would love for a player to say listen i'm suing espn i'm suing bleach report i'm suing these these content machines for putting out slanderous statements about me because it hurts my ability to earn a living to make a living because that's what this is these reports come out to discredit to devalue these guys so that they fall down boards so some team doesn't have to pay him what he's worth. Think about that. Think about you going to a job interview and you're in this in a particular industry, you're having meetings and the next thing you know, you're hearing some company anonymously anonymously come out and slander your well he's not you know he's not a hard worker. You know he's not very smart. You would be ready to shoot the place up. But this is what happens every year in the NFL. And we just kind of go, oh, yeah, it's a line. Like we just, well, yeah, we, we gonna call it the line season for nothing. No, nah, man, stop that. And the problem is it's a double-edged sword for these players. Because if a player comes out and says, I'm suing, I want to know who said it. I want to meet with them, right? Just for the right to, to, un, to uncover the source who said it. That player will be, will be called thin skinned. He'd be called soft. You can't handle criticism. No, no, I can handle criticism. What I can't handle is you making up things about me. 
when I am going through a job interview process and ability to make and in an attempt to make money. So if you got something you want to say about Kyler Murray, to, by all the thing I appreciate about Charlie Casterly, Casterly is at least his name is attached to the the criticism, right? Even though it wasn't him. If you're a team and you have something against Kyler Murray, truthfully that you want to say, come out and put your name on it. Put your that's all I'm asking. Put your name on it. You got something you want to say about a player? Put your name on it. Because these these kids can't fight back. They have no recourse. Other people have to do the fighting for them. But then it's easily to dismiss them because, you know, Lake and Riley's went on on the Dan Patrick show to defend Kyler Murray. Well, of course. And then the the obvious rebuttal to that is, well, of course, Lincoln Riley's going to defend Kyler Murray. That's his quarterback. He stands to gain by him going number one overall or going in the top 10 or going in the first round. Of course, he's going to defend him. His agent defends him. Of course, his, oh, well, of course, his agent is going to defend him. Uh, Jachai, I, hopefully I'm saying this right, polite, uh, a edge rusher from Florida, talked about how teams did nothing but bash him in interviews. He listed, I'm a 49ers fan, he listed the 49ers as one of the teams that bashed him. And then people use that as a demerit against him. That's what I'm saying. These kids have no recourse to fight back. So if you want to slander a kid, put your name to it. Sit down with him face to face to face and say, this is what I think of you. Tell me why I'm wrong. That's a job interview. Being critical of someone and allowing them to explain the best way they can why it's not, why this is right or wrong. That's all I'm saying. So y'all let me know what y'all think, man. Hit me up at Brains and Bars on Facebook, at Brains and Bars on Twitter about this uh, Kyler Murray situation. Let me ask y'all this. Would you want Kyler Murray to be your quarterback? I might throw that up on my Facebook page as a poll. Would you want Kyler Murray as your quarterback? Yes or no? Uh, given what you know about him and what you've seen at, at Oklahoma. We answered that on our last episode of It's a Black and White Thing. You can check that out there by going to SoundCloud, Facebook, I mean SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, search hashtag Brains and Bars. All right, so NBA, I wish my uncle was still here because I, I love to hear his thoughts on this. Uh, the Lakers, man. You know, I sat down with, uh, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Danny Thompson, he's from Around the Association podcast. Um, and we talked about the Lakers, and he had a hot take about the Lakers. So we had issues with the audio, um, and I wasn't able to upload it. And I, I might have him on just so I can roast him about this hot take he had. That is not going to come true. Um, the Lakers are not making the playoffs. They're done. It's over for them. Um, and right now, uh, they are 11th in the West. They have lost four straight, I believe. Um, lost to Denver. Lost to the Clippers. Teams that that they needed games that they needed to win. They're losing them. And so they're out of the, they're going they're out, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's over for the Lakers. And it, I, the NBA, Adam Silver has got to be depressed. He's got Adam, Adam Silver has to be depressed right now. The NBA ratings have been down all season long. I think the LeBron effect of that, of him going from East to West, listen, I have not watched as many games because I feel like every time I sit down and watch the NBA game, it's a West Coast game starting at nine o'clock. 
and a brother needs his rest, man. A brother, I got to get some, like, you know, look, look, I'm going to catch y'all in the playoffs. I'm going to catch y'all in the playoffs because I need my rest. Um, but ratings are down across the league. And this team is disappointed. Listen, when LeBron got hurt, they were 20 and 14. They were fourth in the West. And basically it's been part of their issues has not just been losing LeBron, but Lonzo Ball has been hurt. Josh Hart has been hurt. Kyle Kuzma's hurt right now. Rondo missed time. Like they lost so many key players that they could not afford to be without. People have gotten on LeBron for years and said, wait till you come. If you come to the West, it won't be as easy. The, the East is a cakewalk. And I think some of that, there's some truth to that. But I would have loved to have seen what the Lakers would have been had LeBron James not gotten hurt. Right. I mean, they had just demolished the Golden State Warriors on Christmas Day. They, it was their biggest win of the season when he got hurt with that groin injury. If he does not get hurt, this team is probably going to the playoffs. They're probably going to the playoffs. And I don't we don't know how much noise they would have made. Again, they at that point, they had home court advantage for the first round. Who knows what they would have been had LeBron James not gotten hurt? Um, you know, I mean, I, I've talked about this on the show. I just want to say it again. I want to say again. It's. LeBron James has not changed. He's the same guy he was from the decision. He just learned how to play the media game um, and his actions, the way he has kind of acted during this whole ordeal of the Anthony Davis trade post post Anthony Davis trade post all star break has done nothing but reinforce that for me. And I have to wonder, and maybe you guys can let me know what you think, is Magic Johnson the guy for the job? Now, Magic Johnson got LeBron James. He's talked about, hey, if this team isn't contending you know, in a couple of years, I'll leave. And right now, man, I just don't know. Um, LeBron James has is a year older. Um, he's a year older. He suffered his first major injury. We don't know if that's something uh, that's going to continue as he gets older. Um, And KD, you know, made that statement about nobody wants to play with him because of the the toxic relationship that he has that, that follows him. And I just, I don't know if Magic can get this done. You look at the contracts he signed, Rondo, um, McGee, all these one-year deals, Stevenson. And then you had the report that came out that said that, hey, LeBron was behind that. Like he helped orchestrate that. Kind of to say, hey, look, don't kind of shift in that blame just a little bit. I just don't. I think five years ago, Magic, maybe five to seven years ago, Magic Johnson might have had the pull to get another big name free agent. In L.A., I don't know if he has that same pool. Paul George, L.A., I mean, we all we heard from the time he was traded was he's going to L.A. It's a done deal. The Thunder are wasting their time. They have there's no way that he's going to he's going to stay with OKC. Oh, what? wait, he did. Kawhi's not coming. Jimmy Butler, I'm not sure you want Jimmy Butler on your team for one, but Jimmy Butler's not coming. Kyrie's not coming. KD's not coming. Who are they going to get? And if they whiff, if they do not get Anthony Davis, if they do not get, because I, I don't know if the Pelicans are going to do business with them, even though Dale Dempsey is gone. 
if they can't get any of this star talent, is this a, I mean, what do you have magic for if you can't get major talent outside of LeBron James? Because obviously we're, we're seeing that, that at this juncture, LeBron James isn't enough. Maybe seven years ago, LeBron James would have been enough to will this team to the playoffs. It's not enough. So if, even if you fire Luke Walton, is it going to be enough? I don't know if Magic is the, is the, is the guy for this job. Um, I've seen some other things that stories about the Lakers front office that they are not that they're not the same first class organization that they used to be. Maybe, maybe time, maybe, maybe time has passed Genie and Magic by, and Father Time is currently catching up to LeBron James. I hope not. I hope he can still be the man, that guy for years to come. Shout out to him for passing Jordan. Last night, um, which started the whole who's great. I'm not going there. I'm not. Those days are over for me. Um, so I don't I don't know, man. Y'all let me know what y'all think. Can Magic get start players to uh, to L.A.? Also, quick story that that's kind of funny when you talk about Anthony Davis. So the league got on the Pelicans for trying to limit Anthony Davis's playing time, sitting him out in an effort to keep him healthy so they can trade him this summer. The Lakers report came out a couple of hours ago. The Lakers are going to uh, limit LeBron's minutes. He won't play on back-to-back. There's a load management joke somewhere in there. <laughs> but they're going to limit his playing time. We'll see, man. We'll see. I just, this is – I know LeBron says he has nothing to prove. Yeah, okay. He has nothing to prove. To anyone anymore, he, he's he's content with his legacy. But if this LA, if this LA adventure does not end for him with at least a finals appearance, not even a championship, if it doesn't end with the finals appearance, this is going to be a stain on his legacy. And I'm talking about over the next four years. So let y'all let me know what y'all think. Hit me up at Brands and Bars on Facebook or on Twitter and see what's up. I mean, yeah, it's lottery time, but. But no, I, I'm going to tell you this. As you told me before the season started that the Lakers not only would not make the playoffs, but they would shut LeBron James down for the rest of the regular season down or not shut him down, but limit him because they're basically kind of going in, in mini tank mode to close out the season. I would have told you you're crazy. I would have told you you're crazy. I would have told you that there's no way that that's going to happen. But here we are. Here we are. That And I, I'm not going to – so I guess for me, I expected them to – I think I might have said 4C, which is where they were before the injury. He's probably not 100% healthy from the groin, uh, groin injury he suffered at that point. I thought there would be a 4C. I thought they would potentially win a first-round playoff series and then bow out in the second round to the Warriors. Um, and so to see how this season has unfolded for them has been shocking for me. Um, it has been shocking for me and I can't believe that we're here. Um, so real quick, I want to hit this before I close out the rest of the close out this show. Boston Celtics, they got a win last night. They with Kyrie Irving did not play. They are 10 and two without Kyrie in the lineup. This is going to be speaking of fascinating off seasons. We're we're going to have a lot to say about 
Magic Johnson. We're going to have a lot to say about Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics as well. Listen, Danny Ainge has been hailed as a genius because he got those picks from uh, the Boston, I mean, from the New Jersey Nets. Um, he's been hoarding assets, hoarding assets, getting talent, getting talent in hopes of making some larger move down the line. And it has not materialized. And here we are. What? Going into one of their biggest off seasons since they got those draft picks from the Nets. Kyrie's deal is up. He's probably I mean, well, the rumors are that he's going to go to New York. Um Anthony Davis is out there that they're going to try to make an offer to get him. But what happens if they end up with neither? And this was kind of my criticism of Danny Ainge before the Jason Tatum draft was that it seems like he was hoarding all these picks, but they were leading to nothing. And even if they don't get Anthony Davis, even if Kyrie leaves, is this team good enough, even though they played better without Kyrie? But is that team without a true superstar, is it good enough to win an NBA championship? Is it even good enough to win the East? Because Milwaukee's looking good. Um, Philly has got, they've got talent. Kyrie, if when Philly and Boston match up, Kyrie is probably the best. Mm, is he better than Joel Embiid? I'll give him the nod over Joel Embiid as best player. But after that, to me, the next best players on the floor then go Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler. Then maybe I'll come back around to Jason Tatum and, and before getting to Tobias Harris. Like, I, I don't know. I, again, I feel like th this Boston experiment, to me, they're more of a disappointment than the Lakers were. The Lakers, they were not expected to win a championship. This was expected to be uh, Boston's opportunity to go to the finals now that LeBron James is out of the East. And now I don't know if they can beat Brooklyn. I don't know if they could beat Indiana. I don't know if they can beat Philly in seven games if fully healthy. Uh, I definitely don't think they can beat Toronto, and I definitely don't think they can beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series. And so now we're at this point with this team where that this is a failure, and this is going to all fall apart, and basically Danny Ainge is going to be left holding a bunch of low spades, he, and he won't have not one big joker, not one little joker, not the ace of spades, not the deuce. He won't have any of those in his deck after all of this managing of assets, of getting Tatum, of getting Brown, of getting Horford, getting Hayward. And it's all it, it could possibly be a futile existence. So, man, y'all let me know what y'all think. Hit me up at Brains and Bars on Facebook. Let me know what y'all think about that. So I want to hit something that my uh, my uncle asked me early. He asked me about the R. Kelly situation. Uh, interview happened uh, this past, what, yesterday, I believe. Um, it's gone viral. It's gone viral more so for for memes than it has for the actual substance of it. Shout out to Gail King. I thought she did a great job with a man who was at times off the hinges, uh, very emotional, um, I still haven't watched the the R. Kelly documentary all the way through. I watched the first night of it on DVR, man, and it was just a little bit too heavy for me. Um, it, it was a lot. It was a lot for me, and I, I just couldn't get make my way through the whole thing. At some point, I planned to watch it, but that was a lot for me to absorb just in that first 
couple of hours of, of the documentary. And I don't know. I don't know how like this dude, he's done. And I think part I think part of what happened in that interview yesterday was a man who realized like the walls have there. He's claustrophobic. The walls have closed in and he knows he's in a lot of trouble and he knows that his freedom, his days of freedom are probably over. And so I watch just from what I saw from that first night of the documentary, from what I saw of that interview. First of all, you have to be accountable, right? Even if R. Kelly could prove that some of the women were not telling the truth. I can't believe that all of those women were not telling the truth. Right. Like everyone is not just all of a sudden conspired against you to get you out of the pain. You're guilty. You're you're probably I shouldn't say I shouldn't speak definitively. You've probably done something that warrants a punishment. Um, And even with that, he has got to do he if if he's guilty, he's got to do some time. And people were wondering, why are you speaking if allegedly? Because I have to um, legally there are ramifications for speaking all on that in, in, a, in a definitively if he so true. Like if he saw this and, and said, oh, you, you assumed my guilt, I'm going to sue you for slander. Right. But at the same time, just off that first hour or two hours of that documentary, I saw someone who needed help, man. Like R. Kelly, he needs he needs counseling and he needs deep, deep, deep emotional counseling, because obviously there are some things that have happened in his life as a young man that helped shape and make him into the man he became. And it wasn't good. And not being able to get that help, not being able to have those professionals in his life to steer him in the right way affected him and caused a ripple effect that has affected a whole bunch of lives, both good and bad. And to me, that is my major takeaway from. Again, I I haven't I'm not as uh, invested in the R. Kelly drama as a lot of other people are, have been and will be. Um, I honestly hope that for his trial that they allow no cameras in. Um, I just feel like that the things that's going to that are that will come out of that trial, the emotion, uh, the pain, the anguish that will come out of that trial. I just don't that type of intimate setting, man. I just not I'm personally not comfortable kind of gazing in on that. I wish we were in an age before uh, before social media where this kind of thing will only come out in newspapers down the line. So that's my big takeaway from this R. Kelly situation. He's he's probably done some things that are worthy of some jail time. Um, all the people who defend him, what if it was Harvey Weinstein? I mean, he's guilty too. Now what? What if it was Roman Polanski uh, or Woody Allen? Okay. Throw him in jail too. Now what's your point? Right? Um, all of that, that's Man, this guy has probably ruined some lives for the worst. And that can't be overlooked, man. That can't be overlooked. Like, 
He was able to get away with it for a long time. And it seems like right now chickens are coming home to roost. But even with that said, man, that guy needs help. Um, And to me, that's the big takeaway from all of this is he is a he's an individual who needs some deep counseling. Those who have, you know, who have told tales of suffering at his hands need deep counseling. They need help. Um, And if you know someone who's in those situations, do not. That's the thing that kind of appalls me about that, about this situation, other than the need that that these people need deep counseling, trauma counseling, is that this guy was allowed to indulge in things that should have made others around him uncomfortable and should have made others around him want to speak out. If you know someone who's in that situation, regardless of your relationship with them, whether they're they're paying you, whether they are uh, related to you, speak out, man. Speak out. Don't be silent on these things. Because the ripple effect that can happen just because no one wanted to act, even though people saw what was happening and wanted to be quiet, can affect people for generations, man. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my takeaway from the R. Kelly thing, man. Um, y'all can let me know what y'all think. Hit me up at Brains and Bars on Facebook, at Brains and Bars on Twitter. Man, that's my time. I'm about to get out of here. I got to get to the crib and be family, man. So once again, you can you can check out every episode of the show by going to Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Uh, we're all over the place. Just search hashtag Brains and Bars. You'll be able to find every episode of the show. In my absence, shout out to my homie, my mellow, my ace, A-Ward. Go to IamAward.com for all battles, merch, music. I'm pretty sure you can get a link to World Domination 8. Just took place in London. He battled Sharon. Fire battle. Potential classic in the that, that just happened. Um, to me, this might be his first million view battle. It's that good. Check that out. Support him. He's got a link on his. Should be at his website. Where you can support him and um, you can check out uh, that battle and we'll be talking to him about that next time when he comes into the studio uh, along with some other stuff that's going on until next time though i'm a1 aka dan aka carlos and you listen to it's a black and white thing y'all have a good night be easy